0: Welcome back to Dragging the Dead, the only show that aims to speak ill of the dead. I'm Tim, back here with Lance and Jen. What's up, Legends? What is going on? It's it's so
1: delightful to be here because, as previously mentioned, this is just a great outlet to release this pent-up aggression, this, this rage that would honestly come out in uh, other ways that probably would not be as beneficial to society as, as they come out here at this show. Um, Jen, how are you?
2: I'm, I'm good. I'm just thinking about the other ways in which my rage can come out, perhaps in murder. So I'm, I'm glad I have this show to keep me out of prison.
1: Yeah, I, The best thing to do is to take that rage and just Press it down, just bottle it up, and and then... Into a diamond. Into a diamond, and then once once you hit record, release.
0: Yeah, release it into the podcast, Skies. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really cathartic. Release the Kraken, as they say. <laughs> and here on Dragging the Dead, each of us bring a person to the table each episode, and we don't know who the other person that we're bringing is. So there will be a little bit of a guessing game So Jen, feel free to start us off here.
2: Okay, this is an American author and nearly all their books became films featuring villains that triumph.
1: An American author featuring villains who triumph?
2: You could characterize their novels as psychological thrillers.
1: Gonna let the brain do some work here. I'm gonna lay off the Bing for a second. James
0: Patterson, no. Cormac McCarthy, no. Casey Sherman, no. Danielle Steele, no. That's all
1: I know. I only know Cormac McCarthy <laughs> and Danielle Steele. I have a very limited reading base.
2: That's a very like that's very uh, it's quite on the spectrum there, Lance.
1: No, they you can see some similarities between the two. <laughs>
2: no. All right, I'll give you another another fact.
1: Danielle Steele is still alive. Yeah. Uh, Cormac McCarthy is too. Whoops. (laughs) Is he? I don't know.
2: (laughs) All right. I'll give you another fact. She graduated from comic book writing to novel writing.
0: Harper Lee. No.
1: (laughs) Harper Lee. The the famed cartoonist, Harper Lee. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to give one more guess and I'm going to give up. I'm going to go with uh, Toni Morrison.
2: No, this person is Patricia Highsmith. What
1: a horrible person. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Who is this person?
2: Strangers on a Train, and she wrote The Talented Mr. Ripley.
0: Oh, great movie.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Great book, too.
0: Well, I didn't read it.
2: Very talented writer.
1: Very prolific writer, from what I understand, if I remember her. Yeah. Very prolific.
2: She also wrote the novel called The Price of Salt, which became the movie Carol, Starring Kate Blanchett
0: oh okay, I didn't see it, but uh her it was great.
1: so far you're not uh you're not turning me on
0: this yeah, person. She's created
1: lots of uh, quality content to consume.
2: so I will give it to her that I am like a fan of her work. I like her books, but she was the worst person and the most surprisingly worst person. I read her autobiography or sorry her I read her biography. Um, called Beautiful Shadow. So let's start with her mother. So Highsmith's mother once told her that she tried to abort her by drinking turpentine. So even her own mother thought that she was giving birth to the Antichrist.
0: All right, well, she's a fighter. Yeah, she's a fighter. Is right. She survived that and went on to uh, persevere.
2: Even her friends didn't like her. One of her friends said she was a lesbian who was also a misogynist who didn't like other
0: women. Jealous. Jealous friends. <laughs> Write that off as jealous friends. If I had a nickel for every time Lance said that about me.
2: That you're a lesbian misogynist?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, today, today alone, you'd be able to make a dent in the national debt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Patricia Highsmith's publisher, his, her U.S. publisher, said Highsmith was, quote, a mean, cruel, hard, unlovable, unloving human being. I could never penetrate how any human being could be that relentlessly ugly. But her books? Brilliant.
0: Have you ever met an artist?
2: True, they kind of all suck. But she was a virulent alcoholic. She preferred gin, which is just like not the drink of choice. Classy. Gotta be a brown liquor (laughs) kind of person. It got worse as she got older, unfortunately. But she would take tips from tables before waiters could get to them. Like not even not leave a tip, but steal other tips from tables.
0: They already the the wait staff already made an hourly wage. She <laughs> she understood that. She was probably <laughs> donating that money to charity anyway.
2: She did not.
1: <laughs> she probably was sitting there at her table assessing the work that this particular server was putting into his or her job and determined that they were not doing it. Uh, up to standards, and she felt like this money they did not deserve. So she probably took the money and gave it back to the people who had previously dined there.
2: You know, that seems pretty anecdotal. I think for this to be a fact about her life, she had to have done it more than once, more than twice even. So how many bad waiters could there be?
1: Hey, I don't want to get into that.
0: I mean, (laughs) we don't know how many times she donated that money to her charity of choice. You know, Uh that's unconfirmed. Um, she could have donated <laughs> it anonymously, you know, and we're sitting in, you're, you're sitting here dragging her for it. And uh, she's just this great person who, like a, basically like a Robin Hood, like a female Robin Hood who stole from people who are already making an, a, a hefty hourly wage.
2: You just made up a fact <laughs> and defended it.
1: Well, that's, it's 2020, Jen.
2: She once said that robbery was worse than
1: murder. Well, I, I mean,. I would I would say maybe, uh, maybe she's got a case there. You rob somebody and then they have to live with not having that money anymore. You kill somebody and, hey, they don't have to live with anything anymore. That's kind of a release.
2: Yeah, to, you can say that to all our victims' families that we advocate for.
1: That's another show, Jen.
2: <laughs> then, uh, later on in her life, she became an expatriate in Europe because of the, quote, Negro problem. She hated black people.
1: I love a British black person.
2: She also called Hitler's Holocaust a semi-cost because he only killed half the Jews.
0: Not untrue. Yeah, don't shoot the messenger on that one, Jen. Hmm. I mean, really, have you ever encountered
1: sarcasm in your life? This woman was just being sarcastic. So one time she was
2: staying at her friend's house. So her friend was letting Patricia stay at her house. And then when she was walking by her friend's open bedroom window, she threw a dead rat inside. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's What, a, what a great joke. Yeah,
1: seriously. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had dead rats thrown at me. And I'm just like, this is amazing.
0: I, it never gets old. Mm-hmm. Fight a nickel for every time Lance threw a dead rat at me while I was sleeping.
2: Her poor friend. Her poor friend. Like, you just... Let your dear friend Patricia, even though you know she's a fucking asshole, <laughs> you're like, okay, Patricia, you can stay for the night. And she's like, here, have a dead rat through your open window. And she's also a philanderer. She had multiple lovers. She
0: sounds like George Clooney. She's <laughs> doing pranks. She's got multiple lovers.
2: Multiple lovers. So her one ex, Alella Cornell, I think was her name, committed suicide after having an affair with Highsmith.
1: Probably because she knew that it couldn't get any better.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She then joined support groups for homosexual women who were married. Only to seduce the women there. That was her only aim. Because she wasn't married.
0: Market research.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Unconfirmed.
1: I say that that is a uh, fine place to play the field. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: And then after she died, none of her lovers... Or her friends, past or present, showed up at her funeral.
0: Well, love knows no boundaries, Jen.
1: Funerals are quite overrated. All of her friends probably realize how much of a downer that would be, and they're like, we're going to celebrate her life in our own way.
0: Yeah, I mean, imagine how awkward that would be with uh, a bunch of her exes standing around a room, uh, you know, like awkwardly sipping a glass of wine or something.
2: Lance, I think you hit the nail on the head um, by saying it was a celebration that she had died. (laughs) they are finally rid of this awful awful human
0: being okay well speaking of awful awful human beings my person this time was an actor was not from america uh for once not an american was actually uh, a scott a very a very famous actor as well i'll stop there see if you got any guesses sean connery (laughs) that is correct it is uh
2: He's the only Scottish actor.
0: Only Scottish actor right I know. <laughs> That's true. It is Sean Connery, one of the most womanizing actors or just men in uh, Hollywood and uh, really, really the world, are on record with just horrible, horrible statements about women.
2: Is womanizing the plural of womanizing?
1: Many women at the same time.
0: All of them. That's right.
1: I find it hard to believe that you're dragging who People Magazine once awarded sexiest man alive in 1989.
0: Well, I'm not saying he wasn't sexy. Here's a quote from November of 1965. I don't think there is anything particularly wrong about hitting a woman, although I don't recommend doing it in the same way that you'd hit a man.
1: Well, I mean, I'm not going to wind up and close fist punch a woman. That's basically what he's saying, right? He's going to give
0: a going to give a firm but gentle firm but but uh reasonable yeah he said do it with an open fist and not a closed fist so you can see where he was uh being delicate you know being his the softer side of uh sir sean connery was coming out
2: did you know that he worked as a coffin polisher before he got into acting
0: god bless him i did not know that God bless him. Sean Connery definitely, definitely still agreed with those uh, comments later uh, in 1987 in an interview with uh, Barbara Walters. He said he doesn't think it's good to slap a woman, but he doesn't think it's that bad. It's entirely based on circumstances.
1: I mean, you're talking about somebody who's just a realist. Uh, you, you, really, how can how can you put yourself in that position and say I'm not I'm not going to hit this woman? she's she's mouthing off
0: I'm
1: not, I'm not gonna i mean you can't really realistically put yourself in that situation and say you're not going to give an open-handed uh suggestion to their face
0: well he goes on to say if you have tried everything else but they're not happy with the last word they want to say it again and get into a really provocative situation then i think it's absolutely right <laughs> that's what uh sir sean connery said yeah
1: fistful of love i mean what kind of a man would you beat him if you let the woman get the last word
0: Um uh, an understanding one
1: i cannot believe him that you're dragging the man who shined in the movie
0: first night <laughs> yeah or the league of extraordinary gentlemen yeah he's made some real clunkers finding Forrester snubbed at the oscars <laughs> zardoz well i don't know what that is I would also argue an overrated actor. Yes, he was James Bond for a period of time in a a series and a a time in that series of movies where I I haven't even seen those ones. You know, those ones, they're so old and dated. They basically just might as well burn the original film canisters at this point.
2: You can't forget his great role as Braveheart and Rob Roy.
0: That was Mel Gibson and uh, Liam Neeson, I think.
2: It's Scottish, it's the same thing.
1: I can't believe you were dragging the man who had the good sense to turn down the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings because he, 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 he recognized that the script just did not make any sense.
0: <laughs> well, I will give him that. Uh, that, is, that was a good decision. Those movies are, are dreadful.
2: Wait, the first three, Lord of the Rings?
0: All of them are terrible. Ah, how dare you? I'll give him Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade and The Rock. Those ones are pretty good. He he was glorious in all of those movies, and he was also
1: glorious in Entrapment. We haven't even talked about Entrapment.
0: A brilliant film. More like Dr. No?
1: The greatest James Bond of all time. Don't give me the whole Roger Moore was. I'll give you the whole Daniel Craig was. I mean, this man won... One Academy Award, Tim. So has Roberto Benigni. And he's considered one of the greatest actors of all time.
2: Do you know he once donated his $250,000 salary from his role as King Richard in the 1991 film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, to
0: charity? Well, that might be because he was under uh, investigation for tax fraud. Hey, the man
1: just lived his life. He he was a a man's man. He was a real American gem.
0: He really had to lobby to become that uh, Sir Sean Connery, too. He uh he was denied a couple times by uh by some, by the Scottish Labour Party politician Donald Dewar. He Said get get the hell out of here, Sean Connery. You suck as an actor and you do, you're not a sir. But then uh eventually he did become a sir just a few months after Dewar uh passed away. You
2: know Ian Fleming, the guy who wrote the Bond books was not totally sold on Sean Connery playing 007. But then once he saw that Connery uh, performed uh, the, the Bond role in Dr. No, he changed his mind. And he said he was the ideal actor for this role. So if Ian Fleming can change his mind,
1: so can you, Tim. That is a great point. And, and how cool is Sean Connery to die on Halloween? He's <laughs> like, I know I'm going to go. I'm not going to waste any more time. I'm going to pick my day. I'm going to go on Halloween because that's just damn cool. I will start off by asking you, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had some eggs. Nothing. How do you feel about, uh, you, you, I mean, your kids must eat cereal, right? You ate cereal as a kid? Sure. Yeah, it's delicious.
2: Never eat cereal in my life.
1: How about cornflakes? You like cornflakes? Ah,
0: they're unbelievable.
1: This man and his brother invented cornflakes. I hate them. You mean John Harvey Kellogg? I mean John Harvey Kellogg, the Antichrist. What are you talking about? He's...
0: He's kept kids fed and, and healthy
1: for years,
0: generations.
1: Healthy? I would, on the contrary, say that this man would absolutely mess with your intestines if he could get his hands on them. Ew. 100%. Huh?
0: you talking about corn. How, how can someone who made corn into flakes be bad for your intestines? I'm saying he wasn't trying to make
1: your intestines any healthier. He was just very, very curious about the inner workings of the human body. He was a doctor, and he did run a sanitarium, not, not the kind that you would go for mental health, but the, uh, the physical health. And he often advocated to his patients about yogurt enemas, uh, vegetarianism, a bland diet, all because he wanted to make sure you
0: didn't masturbate. I mean, what what, what good has come from the world for masturbating? He felt that any rich food, spicy food,
1: protein-rich food would only increase your sex drive, and that was the root cause of, to name a few in this man's twisted head, cancer of the womb, urinary diseases, nocturnal emissions, impotence, epilepsy, insanity, mental and physical disability, and if you masturbated too much, you went blind. He actually believed these things. That's still
0: unconfirmed. <laughs> we don't know about that.
1: We're still doing a lot of market research on that one.
0: Yeah, no one is technically ever, as far as I know, become blind from it, but it doesn't mean that it's not possible. Maybe just someone hasn't gotten to that magic number yet.
1: Not for lack of trying over here. And what's that
0: you ask? How did he, how did he do this? I didn't ask that. I didn't. No one asked that.
1: Oh, oh I, thought, I thought I heard someone say, how would he go about doing this to children at an early age? Well, if you were a male child, you'd get a fun circumcision. He would make sure it was super comfortable. That's a joke. He would do it without any anesthesia because, in his words, the brief pain attending the operation will have a salutary effect upon the mind, especially if it is connected with the idea of punishment. So the soreness, which would continue for several weeks, would interrupt the practice of masturbating. So he wasn't doing this for a health reason. He was doing this so that it would prevent a child from masturbating, and he was also very concerned that if the child had masturbated for too long, then that would resonate in their head, and, and they, would fur- they would need further medical attention to as permanently fix the problem. Oh, and that's not even the worst.
0: Uh, well... Lance, th- I'm really offended that you're even bringing this guy to the table. Honestly, he th- this guy he treated diseases with uh, hydrotherapy. Have you heard of hydrotherapy? I mean, it's it's still around today. That's how that's how much of a uh, visioneer this fellow was, and uh, he was also a vegetarian, which also uh, shows how much of a visioneer he was, and uh, because he invented foods like peanut butter and uh, meatless meats, and granola. I want to punch someone in the face when I see them eating granola.
1: You know what else I love? Carbolic acid. You know where? You know where he liked to put carbolic acid? In his butt. Not in his butt. The clitoris of a woman. Oh my wait, god! Wait, wait. Come again? She won't. No. <laughs> How about some carbolic acid on your clitoris, so that you do not masturbate? I'm just, I'm just stating some
0: facts here, guys.
2: Oh man. That is that is pretty hard to defend. If I didn't do it every day,
0: <laughs> well, you know this fellow, Doctor John Harvey Kellogg, he he didn't really care about profits. I don't know if you if you know much about that. I mean, because you're so obsessed with money, um, he actually didn't care about it. For him, cereal was it was not just a health food because it would improve Americans' digestion. He really truly believed on a diet centered on bland foods. Like cereal and uh, and it would lead Americans away from sin how can you How can you even say that's a bad thing?
1: Well, I would say that that's a bad thing if he didn't follow it up by pouring carbolic
0: acid on a woman's clitoris. I thought I successfully diverted from that point nope <laughs> i'm coming not. right back to that
1: <laughs> well, you know, when he wasn't burning the genitals of children, he was bandaging or tying their hands, covering their genitals with patented cages, cages around their genitals. Was he a Mormon? No, actually he was part of the Seventh Day Adventist
0: Church. Well, that sounds like a cult.
1: Yep. You know, if, if he couldn't get that uh, circumcision taken care of, if he had, uh, you know, not a lot of time on his hands, he would simply apply some electrical shock or uh, maybe he'd whip out the, uh, the the needle and thread and he would sew the foreskin shut.
2: It's been a lot of genital (laughs) talk.
1: Hey, this is the man man who made cornflakes, which, by the way, he got into a big fight over it with his brother, who went on to do much
0: more admirable work. Well, when I think of cornflakes, I think of uh, jerking it.
2: Um, Yeah, I'm having a really tough time defending this man. He was also a eugenicist.
0: Thank you, Jen. He was a eugenicist. What is that? Mean? That sounds like a scientist. He's a scientist. Ah. Well, he,
1: as part of his uh, eugenics, he founded something called the Race Betterment Foundation.
0: There's another famous eugenicist called Hitler. Well, how many people did uh, did Mr. Cornflakes kill? His death count could not be tallied, Tim. How many people did he keep alive with his steady uh, diet of cornflakes and preventing them from sinning?
1: That is a good point, Tim. That is a, that is an excellent point. He probably did create some good with his uh, unintentional health benefits that he would apply to people uh he also adopted children he adopted one two three four five six seven children some of those children were african-american and some people believe that he adopted those african-american children so that he could control that race so that they would not be able to procreate as well you know why he adopted children
2: kind-hearted
1: man because him and his wife never had sex (laughs) He bragged about never having sex. They never did it? He never had sex at all.
2: He's got to be the only dude who's bragged about that.
0: Oh, wow. The cornflakes makes so much more sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. Really? Virgin <laughs> till death? Virgin till death. Could have had any woman he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> he was probably gay. <laughs> or man. The only
1: time that this absolutely unholy malicious black-hearted individual felt any sort of remorse was when he was on his deathbed and he wrote an apology to his brother asking for his forgiveness his brother was like f you and he ground up that apology and he put some milk on it and ate it
0: well that's a little personal that's that seems a little dramatic
1: here are some people who were patients of his that allegedly supported his insane practices Former, the great former president, Taft.
0: Oh, brilliant, brilliant president.
1: Amelia Earhart, the... Asshole. Astonishing... (laughs) says asshole.
2: She was a bad, bad pilot.
1: How dare you save it for next episode? (laughs) Henry Ford. I mean, don't even get started on Henry Ford. The brilliant Irish playwright George Bernard Shaw, and a hero of Jen's, Thomas Edison. <laughs> well, there you go. I could go on and on about this Kellogg monster, but yeah,
2: I'm convinced, man. I cannot. I see, cannot. See, I've
0: convinced you. Ugh. You just, you, you're just twisting this completely, uh, incorrectly. You know, he, Kellogg. He actually believed in. In mental health. And uh, he was in favor of sterilizing mentally defective persons. He cared about mental health. Throw some carbolic acid on it. All set. Here. Let me, sew up, let me sew up that foreskin.
1: How do you feel now? Just to wrap it up. Who doesn't want to read some of his books, by the way? Some of these truly inspired titles like The Living Temple, Light Therapeutics. How about this riveting one? Itinerary. Of a breakfast. <laughs> Hollywood was banging his door down for that one.
2: Give the film rights to that.
1: How about this, page Turner? That's amazing. Auto-intoxication or intestinal toxemia. Sounds hot. Oh, Jen, you'd like this one. The Lady's Guide in Health and Disease.
2: Ah, See, he cared about women. Yeah.
1: Totally cared about women. Published that one in the very progressive year of 1893.
2: Actually, it was pretty progressive in 1893. There was a whole spiritualist movement, and women could make money by, like, talking to ghosts
0: and shit. Yeah, see? Don't ever contradict me. I think he uh, was a brilliant a brilliant businessman, and uh, his brand is still around today, which he, he clearly did something right.
2: Britannica says that Kellogg was at a physician. Is that true? Did he have like a medical degree?
0: He was a physician. He went to American Medical Missionary College in 1895. Duh. Isn't it ironic
1: that the man who has never had sex went to a college with the word missionary in it?